Good morning. Hopefully the mic works better this week. And let me know if you guys can hear me perfectly. And give you guys a few seconds to hop on. We got Hosh and Logan with me this morning. Good morning, guys. Good morning, guys. And we do have four new members. I want to welcome to the program. We got Delvin Marks, Albert Lozano, and Vicky Lou, and Chris. Paxos. Hopefully I didn't murder your last name, uh, Chris. Welcome to the program. Uh, hope you guys find it very helpful in your real estate in endeavors. And also Arthur, uh, congratulations. Uh, he just purchased his first commercial property. He's an existing member, so congrats. And we'll wait a few more seconds for you guys to hop on and then uh, we'll uh, start the session. And good morning, Salome Amin and a couple of facebook users so uh, guys, just a just a reminder if you guys can uh, just before joining the call uh just go to Streamyard and just put in your name it's easier for us to know who you are and for manny to give you a quick shout out in the morning um so if you can do that that would be awesome thank you uh Hush. all right well um we'll get this session started i'm gonna have who's reading the questions to me today all right Hush is gonna go Hit me. All right, so first question is from Theo. Um, uh -huh. He says, I only have 100K HELOC and everything with value add and within two hours of me. The price per square feet is above average. Should I be looking for owner finance options? I'm concerned I'm not seasoned enough to embark further than two hours away, or should I try? Well, if you only have $100,000 that you're going to utilize your HELOC, your home equity line, I would say, wait. You got to wait by distress deal you only got one bullet in your chamber so you don't want to buy uh, an asset that is in a seller's market you want to buy in an asset in a buyer's market right now there are some office assets that are coming distressed um, i'm starting to see a lot of reos especially in texas some other markets um, if you're in southern california that's going to be tough uh, to pull with just a hundred thousand dollar line of credit if you're referring to commercial real estate, if you're talking about, you know, buying a single family or duplex or triplex, then it's a different story. But I would say be patient. Wait. All right. He has a second question. He says, what are the best terms for a hard money loan with someone with good credit and some experience and mm -hmm. the best way to go about locating them? Yeah, I mean, I've only used hard money a couple of times. Um, mostly I use bridge lenders. Um, and I would say if you're doing private hard money lender, 65 to 70% LTV, it's pretty aggressive. Again, depends if it's single family, residential, or it's commercial real estate. Residential, I've seen some hard money uh, private lenders go up to 80% LTV, and rates are anywhere from 7 to 10%. So it really depends if you're looking at the residential category or commercial real estate. Um, but yeah, I don't have much resources when it comes to uh hard money lenders so but that's typically where it was falling on the ltv and the rates all right next question is from david david asks how can you check a commercial broker's volume mm. well usually you ask them for their uh you know all the deals they've done uh past 12 to 18 months 
and uh, report would come from the broker. And how do you find that broker? You go on LoopNet, CoStar, um, put that sub-market you're looking at and the asset class and put for lease and see who's got multiple listings. And those are usually the ones doing more deals because they have more listings. Right. The next question is, uh, does CoStar show their volume like most residential MLS or mm. what would be the best resource? Yeah, I'm not sure, to be honest with you. I've never reached out. Um, CoStar is always adding more and more reports. So I would say uh, check with the CoStar rep or uh, give him a call on their customer service line and ask. All right. His last question is, what are the most aggressive incentives you have offered a broker to lease up your property fast and sell it for a top percent <laughs> uh, bonus. Um, it has worked for me in the past. All the markets very challenging in office. Uh, there's a lot of, uh, you know, the, the uh, brokers uh, chasing tenants for office. So I'm actually thinking about giving away a new Porsche. If somebody brings me a 70,000 square feet tenant or larger for my 12 story building, that's uh, got 65% vacancy. And we're going to be running ads on doing that. And I'm going to try that. Hey, if it worked buying a building. Maybe it works uh, on leasing it. <laughs> awesome. All right. Next question is from Watchtech. Watchtech says is, is it standard to take security deposits from rental tenants in a small strip center? If mm -hmm. so, how much should we require? Yeah, very typical. Usually it's one month uh, rent plus CAM. So security deposit equal to that uh, is totally expected. If it's non-credit, a new business they're starting, uh, sometimes I would ask for two months uh, security deposit. All right. Our next question is from Khalid. Khalid says, Manny, can you explain the concept of debt to service ratios mm -hmm. from what i understand most banks use 1.25 as the number to qualify for an sba loan yeah so debt coverage ratio um you know most lenders use a 1.25 someone higher 1.3 um depending on the risk how risky the asset is but what you do you take the noi and you divide it by the debt service uh annual debt service of the loan and that will give you the uh, ratio. Um, other way to do it, to see if it meets the debt coverage ratio, just take your debt service. Let's just say it's 240,000 a year principal interest, right? And you times that by 1.25. And that's how much your NOI minimum has to be. So 240 times 1.25, 300,000. So your property has to have at least $300,000 in NOI, net operating income, and typically that's after they put a little bit of reserves and some vacancy factor. So your NOI should be a little bit higher if to meet the uh, lender's requirement. Um, all right, our next question is from Arthur. Arthur says, for properties you believe are overpriced on per, uh, price per square feet, should you submit deep discount offers such as 30% off when you believe brokers have overpriced an asset or simply skip it because you know brokers won't budge on the price by that much yeah that's a tough one uh to send blindly uh, a low ball offer to a broker i would not recommend uh i would say have a chat with the broker and say hey what's the seller's motivation what's the 
you know, seller's uh, price guidance? Is there some room on the price? Uh, get some feedback. If he says no, he's pretty firm. We've had offers at 10% below. He hasn't taken it. Don't waste your time writing an LOI. All right, our next question from him is, if capital is not an issue, would you recommend joining a commercial real estate broker shortly after updating your real estate license or take a different path if mm -hmm. you plan to become a full-time investor in commercial real estate? Mm, that's a good question. I would say if you're not planning to do a third-party activity, which means you're going to raise money, manage an asset, or lease for a third-party person, that owns a property, so you're gonna act as a broker. Yeah, I would form the uh, you know real estate brokerage firm, but um, it's really not necessary. Um, I didn't have mine for many years, uh, but uh, it does come with liabilities as well. If you're a broker and you have a firm and you're representing yourself, you know, and especially if you're raising money or doing partnerships, so it does come with a little bit of a risk. And unless you're planning to do third-party services, I wouldn't form it. All right. Our next question is from Hisham. Uh, he says, if I buy a fourplex under an FHA loan with full occupancy, how can I occupy mm -hmm. one unit to qualify? Yeah, usually fourplexes or any multifamily, they have uh, tenants month to month. If they are on a lease, it's usually one year. And uh, typically, if... If the tenant rolls, you can just give them 30 day notice to vacate. And typically that's what you do if you're buying as an owner user, I mean, owner occupied. Okay, next question is how do you renovate apartments and tenants when tenants are still in possession? Mm -hmm. Well, depends if you're doing carpet paint, you can totally do that while the tenants in their space, they do it all the time. When you guys water damage, you replace all the carpet, they do room by room, move the furniture. But if you're doing uh, obviously kitchen remodel, that's going to take two or three weeks that you do when the tenant vacates and you're replacing it with another tenant at a higher rent. That's when you do it. You give 30 day notice to vacate. You do your remodel. You put it back on the market at a higher rent. All right. Hey guys, we, we have a couple more questions. Just in case if you guys have some questions, please put them in the Facebook group so we can, we can get that read and uh, get many answering it. So our next question is from Edward. Edward says, other than interest rates, mm -hmm. what are some factors that will lower demand for residential real estate? I'm in Southern California, and assuming that the supply of home will stay mm -hmm. constant or increase uh, negligibly. Well, I mean, recession, right? High, higher unemployment rate, 100% uh, affects the real estate prices and demand. Um, and we're due for one. Um, and also, like you said, the supply, um, aside from interest rate, supply, demand, and then you got the economic cycle, right? The recession. All right. His next question is the numbers for most multifamily properties in Southern California do not work out because the mortgage will exceed market rent. Mm -hmm. Do you see this continuing in the next few years? What would be your strategy for investing in multifamily this year or 2023? Mm -hmm. Well, I stay away from multifamily. I believe at this point, not even this year, last two years, I would say it's been uh, complete a speculation. Um, basically for you to make any money is you got to bank on the fact that the rates are going to stay low and the rent's going to keep going up 10, 20% a year, which is unsustainable. 
And at this point, it's pretty risk, risky um, asset to buy at these prices. So I don't even look at it. I haven't bought multifamily in probably 10 years. All right. Our uh, next question is actually a, a Facebook post from Chris. Chris says, um, hi, all. Hope you ha are having a good Thursday. I'm just about a month from closing on my first commercial property. Being non-owner occupied, I'm excited to front 25% down, which I'm prepared to do. However, thinking it in comparison to residential would be advantageous to use OPM, hard money lender, for the initial down payment. Are there What are the pros and cons? Well, the million dollar question, uh, Chris, right? It was Chris. Yes. Is what's the NOI? Um, is this a stabilized center that's going to uh, throw off, you know, 12 to 15% a year in income? Because if you're borrowing the money, hard money for the down payment, and then you're borrowing, it essentially is 100% financing, right? Uh, you got to be very sure that there's a lot of meat on the bone and it can have positive cash flow. It's in this market, extremely hard uh, to find a deal that fits that criteria. So I'm anxious to see what property you're talking about, but I would definitely uh, be very cautious if you're trying to do 100% financing. All right, looks like that's all the questions we have. Um, guys, just, just so you guys know, you know, we did have a new process this week of collecting questions. Instead of, you know, going back and forth via email, we're trying to have it more streamlined. Mm -hmm. So moving forward, you guys will be getting a link. All you guys got to do is just click on that link and put in your questions, and then it'll, it'll be submitted directly. So uh, this is probably a week where we don't have that many questions, just because people may not have understood the process ah. very well. But if you guys have questions, guys, please, we'll, we'll be on the call for a minute or two. If you guys have questions, put it in the Facebook. Uh, we'll get it answered. Yeah, please ask away. By the way, happy belated Valentine's to all you guys. Hope you guys had a lovely time with your loved ones. Right, V uh, Ari uh, actually is asking a question. Uh, saying, mm -hmm. He's asking, what are the markets that you would look for in this market? What cities or states? Oh, well, nothing's changed for me. I still like Texas, Dallas, Fort Worth, Houston, uh, San Antonio, um, not as much, but Austin for sure. And then when it comes to other states, I would say Arizona. I like Phoenix. Um, Tucson, Escazella, um, too pricey. But in general, most of Arizona, cities in Arizona I like. Um, and some parts of California, I'm starting to find deals like the church I bought in Costa Mesa, California. But California, Texas, Arizona, those three states is where I've been active for past 20 years. And it, it's working. So. All right. And next uh uh, question is from Russell. He says, where do you see interest rates leveling out? Interest rates leveling out. I would say the 10-year treasury is probably going to hit 3.0. Uh, the low was uh, 0.5, so half a percent. Um, and, you know, that's a pretty significant increase. So that's, that would mean 100 uh, basis point guaranteed. It may go up to 150 basis point. It all depends. But... Definitely, I would say one to one and a half percent higher 12 months from now. All 
right. Next question is from um, Michael. Michael says, in my market, I see a demand for small executive suites for lease. Would you say those kinds of smaller multi-tenant office buildings are less risky than larger offices? Absolutely. Um, anything uh, one or two a story, um, it's doing much, much better than your big footprint vertical buildings, you know, 10 story, eight story, six story. Those are the ones that are suffering because their floor plates are much larger and they don't tailor to a smaller tenants. It's usually bigger corporations, which are having a lot of, um, you know, uh, hybrid uh, working uh, structure with the employees. Right. Next question is from Salome. She says, how much money would you say we should have right now in order to skip getting into multifamily since you say it is risky right now and instead buy our first commercial or investment property? Well, um, depends which market. If you're looking out of a state, uh, you can definitely buy a commercial, a small commercial uh, retail strip center with $200,000. Um, there are properties out there value at in you know in in a 800 700 a million dollar range that you could pull off with 200,000 uh, but i would say that's probably your bare minimum you would need all right uh, looks like that's all the questions we have uh, lexi does have a property request uh, a review request if mm -hmm. we have some time i just seen a little bit here okay let me see let me look at me Um, Lexi, just just so you know, uh, you know, since we have time, we're doing this this week. However, next week, if you mm -hmm. have some more properties, uh, we will be doing a property review call uh, next Tuesday. So if you have any more properties, you know, please feel free. The format is going to be the same as today, where we're going to send you a link, and you'll be inputting all your information via that. Link. All right. Let's see what you got. All right. So LoopNet. 200 bucks a foot, nine cap, and this looks like a retail building. All right, Gold's Gem. Mm. Okay, first let me take a look. So this appears to be a single tenant building or maybe two tenant. So I always like to just go directly to the OM and Take a look here. So 23,000 square feet, triple net gym, but visibility from it. Huh? So single tenant buildings, I usually don't buy. I don't recommend you guys buying it because if something happens uh, with that single tenant, all your bets are off. And these are nine cap single tenant. And I don't know anything about Gold's Gym. I don't know if it's, um, if it's the franchisee or let's take a look here. So it's guaranteed by Gold's Gym International. All right. Yeah. Um, at 200 bucks a foot, you're a little above replacement cost for this type of construction. Um, it all comes down to the credit of this tenant. And this looks like it's a franchisee that has 29 of them in this three different markets. And um, yeah, I mean, if you want to definitely consider this as a fixed income cash flow type of thing, um, 
you know, I would look at it, but I would want to definitely see the financials for the past three years from this franchisee. And also, let's see, when do they expire? All right. I have two five-year options. So it looks like they only have like two years left on the lease. Uh, and then they have two five-year options. Management fees are capped. Gold stream, okay. Let me see if there is an actual rent roll here. Yeah, I also like to look at the demographics. Hopefully it's at the end. All right, that's retail metrics. Yeah, they didn't give us the density. Yeah, I mean, frankly, I would not be buying this. I don't like single-tenant buildings um, unless it's CBS. Uh, and this one is a franchisee. It's not, you know, a, a public company that's backed by, you know, a, a very large balance sheet. But if you are looking at buying it, putting a long-term debt on it, I would say uh, definitely ask for financials and also see if you can get the tenant to renew early because it's going to be very difficult for you uh, to put a good financing on this one. Also, you do want to get their sales numbers, sales figures, uh, what they've been doing for the past three years. Um, I would ask for four years and how it compares to his other 29 locations. All right. Uh, those are like the bullet points, I would say. But uh, good luck with it. <laughs> Let me go ahead and stop. All right, we have um, a couple more questions. Uh, Ed is uh, asking the, in the chat, can you share your vision for vacant shopping center malls? Any opportunities can share to start there? That's a tough one. Uh, it all depends on the density. Usually malls are in high density areas and uh, a lot of them are being converted to distribution centers, storage, self-storage. Um, um, there, there are talks some corporate tenants are actually converting them into office uh, on some of the retail, bulk retail space. But I don't do any conversions as such or development, so I've never done it, but those are some of the things I would envision you could do with those uh, obsolete malls. All right, Ed has another question. He's asking for a vacant building, if the broker says they have tenants with interest, is it possible to have the prospective tenant sign a lease agreement in line with the property closing? Uh, technically, no, because you don't have any rights uh, to the property yet, and you cannot enter into a contract. But if you be creative, you could probably um, have the attorney um, write it as such it would become effective on the closing date and maybe collect the deposit. I'm not sure, I've never done it, but um, it's an interesting question. You would, I would check with your attorney. Um, I'm not sure if it would be binding since you don't have any rights to the property yet, but maybe you could take a deposit and an option to lease and it would become effective on the closing date, something like that. Um, our next question is from WatchTech. He says, hi Manny, would you say is, uh, what would you say is a good price PSF for a small retail center to qualify as a value. 
Oh, all depends. It's which sub market. Uh, if it's California, you know, two hundred fifty bucks a foot. I'll buy it all day long. And if it's in Greenspoint, Houston, uh, I wouldn't pay more than twenty five bucks a foot. So it all depends. I would say go ahead on LoopNet, put uh, property for sale, uh, retail, put that sub market, city, state, and see what comes on price per foot. And you could even go in the filter and narrow it down, uh, click price per foot and put a dollar to $100 max and see what comes on your search. And then you can just you know uh, tweak that, go lower. If you got 150 properties, then you can put it $75 and see how many it pops up. And then you can kind of narrow down the top 20 listings in that city and see what are the price per foot and kind of gauge it from there. We just have a follow-up question from Lexi uh, who did the property review question. She mm -hmm. says, would you feel better, I'm sorry, would you feel different about a single tenant if it was a bigger corp, for example, CVS? 100%. Yeah, and any tenant that's public and is, you know, national uh, versus a franchisee. All the 29 locations this franchisee holds is pretty significant. Uh, but what worries me is what are the sales figures and how does this you know compare to his other 28 locations? And if this is not his top performer and he's got two years left, he's not gonna wanna do an early renewal. And he's gonna wanna keep that leverage. And that's gonna be the problem because he could renegotiate the rent down and your property value will suffer tremendously from 200 bucks a foot it could drop significantly if the rate goes lower because a single tenant people buy these just to for fixed income so um it's it's a bit of a risk um that i wouldn't want to take myself all right looks like that's all the questions we have for this week all right well yeah sorry guys my son kept me up till six in the morning so i'm on my fourth cup of coffee but <laughs> Uh, thanks for this week's session. Uh, hope you guys found that useful. Be safe, be well, and see you guys next week for my favorite property previews. So send in your properties and we'll uh, get to it next uh, Tuesday. Thank you guys.